here's our uh, our handout for the day. We could take one and pass it back. I think we do have some folks that might be coming in a little later, so if we can make sure some of the handouts uh, land in the back, that would be awesome. So, um, I have been I have been looking forward to this message, honestly, since. I started. We started in the in the study of the book of Exodus. Uh, I don't want to put too much weight on this message, but it is, I think, my favorite part of the book of Exodus. It's a it's a it's a one one a one b situation with another passage that we'll get to uh, shortly. <clears throat> but this is uh, this is one of my my favorites, and um, I think you'll see why. So um, as we Hopefully, as we jump in here. So today we're going to be looking at victory in the blood. Victory in the blood. So obviously sticking with our theme of victory in the book of Exodus, right? Victory in the book of Exodus. A lot of times, and I've said this before, I'll say it probably a few more times. Um, people look at the book of Joshua as the book of victory because they conquer the land. And they're, that they're, That's legit. <clears throat> but the book of Exodus... If there is no book of Exodus, if there's no victory in Exodus, the book of Joshua never happens. <clears throat> and um, today I think you'll see that if there is no Passover, if there is no taking care of and protection of the people of God, there can be no possession of the land. There can be no possession of the uh, sanctified life. There can be no other victory in their lives. They're, the walls of Jericho remain standing. Um, the uh, the the land of Canaan uh, stays under the Philistine and other um, other inhabitants, and the rest of history uh, looks very different. So, as is our normal <clears throat> protocol, we'll look at the situation, we'll look at the struggle, and then we'll look at the victory. So, in our I didn't include uh, the the text uh, on the. This, the the page today because there was honestly too much text to include to be able to accomplish the notes. So if you want to look, certainly you can look in scripture, but you can also look at um, at the screen in uh, the situation. And the Lord said unto Moses, Yet will I bring one plague more upon Pharaoh and upon Egypt. Afterwards, he will let you go hence. So it's a really cool promise right there. When he shall let you go, he shall surely thrust you out hence altogether. Like, this is not going to be a happy time. This is, he's going he's gonna to force you to leave. Speak now in the ears of the people, and let every man borrow of his neighbor, and every woman of her neighbor, jewels of silver and jewels of gold. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. Moreover, the man Moses was very great in the land of Egypt, <clears throat> in the sight of Pharaoh's servants, and in the sight of the people. And Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill. Even the homeless that live behind the mill and take from the, the extra, the gleanings, if you will, from, from the, the harvest. It doesn't matter whether it's in the palace or or in the, in the proverbial poorhouse, every firstborn, even all the firstborn of the beasts, 
And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be any like it, uh, shall be like it anymore. So, the situation is very, you know, very serious. Uh, again, I've been including this. It's on the website. You can certainly go in and look at the under sermons and whole heart. You can get to the slides. You can even pull them down if you if you wanted to copy any of this. But we've worked our way uh, through the through the plagues. We're here. This is going to be a conditional plague. We'll talk about it. I, I put it here because it's technically not happened yet. We're talking about it, uh, at least at the first part of this message. So there's a couple of things I want to talk about uh, about the situation before we talk about the struggle and the victory. There is provision in the preparation. There is provision in the preparation. Before this plague is executed, before God actually sends this angel of death out into the land of Egypt, thank you, um, <clears throat> there is provision. Notice that there's fulfillment first, fulfillment of a previous promise. I, I started down the, you could tell I started down the path of peace, provision and preparation with a promise. But then I was having trouble with the next one, so I went with F, P's and F's. Provision and preparation, but there's a fulfillment. All the way back in Exodus chapter 3, way back in the story, I don't know how many months or weeks it's been from that point to now, but at least we've covered a lot of ground. God told Moses, when he had his first real encounter with him, I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians, and it shall come to pass that when you go, you shall not go empty, but you'll have provision. You're going to have things. Every woman shall borrow of her neighbor and of her that sojourneth in the house, jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment, and you shall put them upon your sons and upon your daughters, and you shall spoil the Egyptians. So literally, there's a fulfillment of the promise of the, prep, uh, of the provision. An actual fulfillment of that which God said was going to happen come to pass. Now it happens because of supernatural favor. I don't know if you remember, but the, the, the Egyptians kind of didn't like the, the, the Jews. Like they were slaves that lived in a separate part of town. They weren't, I mean they were beat at one point. You know, the taskmasters were just like like beating them and making them do more with less. And there was all sorts of trials. And then, <clears throat> if it wasn't any better, during the plagues, as the plagues executed out, now there's provision in, the, in Goshen where the Israelites are staying. I mean, if I was an Egyptian, I would kind of be ticked at the children of Israel. Like, I wouldn't, I would, I would be in one of two camps. I would either be, I would be like Pharaoh and harden my heart toward they've got and I don't. Or I would have been like, hey, I need to become a Jew. Like I need to, be, I need to get in with that. I need to be, I need to worship their God. One of the two, like it's kind of hard to stay in the middle. But God gives them supernatural favor. Look at these two verses in Proverbs. Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressors is hard. Good understanding, if you want good favor from the Lord in your dealings, you need to start with good understanding of his word. Good understanding of the, of the outline, of the structure. I'm not, I'm not suggesting that every one of you needs to sign up for an LFBI class. Not all of you are there. I do hope that someday you will be there. 
But good understanding comes from the Word of God. Good understanding is going to be the basis upon which God can put favor in your life. It's, you know, I, I think I've said it to my sons. I feel like I've said it to my sons. Opportunity looks a lot like work. You know? Opportunity looks a lot like doing, uh, being diligent. And I get, I get frustrated with people uh, uh, you know, that talk about, you know, whether it's privilege or whatever, because, look, I, I realize there's issues in society. Like, we don't treat people equally or equitably or fairly in many cases, but, but I do get a little frustrated because, like, the things that we have, that we get to enjoy as a family, are because I have invested time and the Lord has brought favor on our family. I have gone about it the right way. I've never stepped on anyone in business. I've never lied, cheat, cheated, or steal or stole to get anywhere in business. Like, I've done it the right way. I've, been, I've had integrity before my boss. I've had before, before my company. And the Lord has blessed that. Good understanding giveth favor. Opportunity looks a lot like hard work. When you do the right things the right way, God can bless it. He just can. Notice in, in Proverbs fourteen thirty five, the king's favor is toward a wise servant, but his wrath is against him that causes shame. I mean, think if you had two servants, and I'm not talking slaves, but I'm talking two people that were employees of yours. You run your, you run a, I don't know, fill in the blank, an ice cream shop. Ice cream sounds kind of good after a bagel. Uh, you run an ice cream shop, and you have two people that work for you. One is never able to close the cash register, and you walk up after they've had a transaction, and there's a 10 laying on the floor, and and they don't wash their hands before they, they do stuff, and they don't even know how to split a banana. I mean, for, if you're going to have a, a, an ice cream shop, you've got to know how to have a banana and be able to split a banana, right? And then, right? Thank you, brother. Thanks for chiming in, right? So, so you've got one person that works for you, employee, that, that can't even peel and split a banana, I mean, you can break it with your fingers. You've got to be able to split a banana. And then you've got another person who's wise. You can trust them. Every time they work, the cash register, you know, uh, with, uh, reconciles or whatever at the end of the night. Like, it's only just a few pennies off. It's probably in favor because they threw extra pennies in because they were taking care of their customers and, and the place is clean. I mean, which one are you going to invest in? I mean, which one are you going to bless more? When it comes raise time, the one who doesn't even doesn't even know a pistachio from a walnut. I'm, help me out here, right? Like, I mean, those are two very different ice creams. One's green and one's brownish. Or are you going to invest in the one who, who who is diligent, is wise, as the servant? Right. God is not obligated to bless you. Within this context, I'm not talking salvation yet, God is not obligated to bless someone who's not faithful with that, that which he has already blessed them with. If he gives something into your hand, take it seriously. And the reality is, he has. He's put something in all of y'all's hands, whether it's printed or on an app. 
which you can conveniently get Bible apps for free. <coughs> he has given you what you need. He has given you structure here. Be here. Attend. Be faithful. Take it in. When God's speaking his word, be attentive to it. Take it in. Process it. Be a wise servant. The king's favor will be on you. Good things happen. And it has more to do with your faithfulness than any other characteristic that you have in your life. It has to do with your faithfulness. And what's interesting is God does this with silver and gold, with people that are fixing to be kind of the enemy of the nation of Egypt. Right? I mean, Pharaoh's going to be mad. That's the only way he's sending the, the children of Israel out is because there's, there is about to be the biggest disaster, the biggest tragedy any country has ever seen. <coughs> Excuse me. Every family is going to lose somebody. Every herd is going to lose some of it. There's going to be a loss. So there's this coming judgment. The warning is the firstborn will die. And it doesn't matter who. Again, we touched on it when we read it. Doesn't matter if their person is in the palace, in the in Pharaoh's palace, or behind the mill. Everybody is going to experience loss. Everybody is going to experience this judgment. Notice, notice in Acts 17:30, in the times of this ignorance God winked at, but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent. There is there, there was a transition in the book of Acts. And now, as we are in the church age, he is calling men everywhere. doesn't matter if you're in the presidential suite or you're barely able to, to, to make ends meet and you're begging for food behind the mill. Like, it doesn't matter. He is calling every man, every woman, all humans, to repent. There is coming a judgment... And if you are not prepared for that judgment, you're going to suffer loss. A loss that's going to create an amazing wailing. Did anybody, is anybody impressed? I spent, like, I spent a whole five minutes trying to make the letters line up. Yes. Thank you, Christy. So there's a coming judgment. There's a warning and a wailing. A cry that had never been heard before or since. And looking, just looking ahead as the actual happening, go ahead and turn over to, to Exodus 12 and verse, verse 30, or verse 29. And it came to pass at midnight, the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne, under the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon. So now we've even shown the, the, those in prison. And all the firstborn of the cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. Literally got chills down my spine when I just read that. I've, I'm pretty sure everybody in here, I'm looking over, I can't imagine there's anyone in this room that was not alive when 9-11 hit. Right? Everybody was alive at that point. Obviously varying varying ages. I heard, based on the, what is it, three or 4,000 folks that died, I probably should know that more accurately, but that everybody in the United States either knew somebody that died that day 
or knew someone who knew someone who died. I know there was a lady I worked with. Uh, uh, it was either her son or a friend. It's obviously been been years, but <clears throat> I mean, she was devastated. You know, one of her friends or family died. I think it was a, a family member by marriage died on nine eleven. Like, and that was like that was all that was talked about on the news for a long time, right? <laughs> I mean, they did commissions, and they're still. I mean, don't. I'm not suggesting you do this, but you can still get. You can still go online and watch more hours on 9-11 than you probably ought to spend, even today. And that was three or 4,000 people. Could you imagine somebody in every single house dying? Yeah, I, I was doing major preparation for this message in the Ten Commandments movie. And man, those actors were really bad. But they thought they were really good. Oh, God. I'm like, I, I feel like I could have been as good of an actor as, as uh, Charles and Charlton Heston. And, and who was the, the guy that played Pharaoh? Um, Yul Brenner. I mean, I used to think Yul Brenner was an incredible actor. I mean, that dude, that wasn't very good. I'm just saying. I, I mean, I, like watching it now, it was, and the special effects, oh, wow. Um, at one point in the Ten Commandments, when this is happening, they're in the house with with uh, Moses, and they're you know they're they've got to play it out a little bit. They've got to explain the story, so they're saying things that would otherwise not have to be said, right? But all the while, you're hearing people in the background screaming, you know, and and. Honestly, it again, it brought a little bit of a, a, a shiver to my spine to think that as the Lord is executing his judgment and people are finding this out at different moments and one scream causes somebody else to wake up and check what happened and now they realize their kid is dead and they start crying and they just they go out and they screamed Almighty God in the street and that causes another person to wake up. And I, I literally, I don't think we can wrap our brain around the tragedy that is happening in the nation of Egypt. There wasn't a house where there was not one dead. Every house experienced loss. It brings us actually to the victory principle. <clears throat> the Lord takes care of his own, even in the midst of coming judgment. So, i got to be careful here with my time. People, there is a movement, a bit of a movement afoot, and has been for several years, about trying to get the U.S. back to being a Christian country so that we can gain God's favor. Okay? First of all, that's not, I, I don't see that scripturally aside from how we deal with the nation of Israel, but that's a different message for a different day. If this thing collapses, if this country goes a trajectory that kind of looks like it's going, and things end up bad, you ought not to be worried about your 401k. You ought not to be worried about the value, the price of your home or interest rates. You ought not to be even concerned about the price of eggs because the Lord will take care of his own. Now, Americans want to define the Lord taking care of his own as 
a good 401k, good interest rate, decent gas prices, and eggs that I can afford. That's where the problem is. The nation of or the children of Israel, in the midst of the arguably the worst judgment ever on the face of the earth, aside from the flood itself, arguably. The Lord took care of him, and he took the, he took silver and gold and gave it to him. Like his provision was amazing in the midst of the coming judgment, absolutely amazing. Please don't judge God's faithfulness on the stock market, or by the stock market rather. Don't judge it based on on peaceful political transitions, or or uh, uh, what, what are they calling the the where they went on Capitol Hill the. Not the storming of the capital. Is that what? Insurrection. insurrection. It's not based on an insurrection. Like, it's not based on any of that. <clears throat> God is faithful to his own. He is going to be faithful to his own. Remember that. So, our struggle. Our struggle. Obviously, a lot of, of verses here. Pick it up in chapter 12. And we'll start in verse 1. I'm going to read quickly down through verse 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. So this is going to, the first month of the year unto you. So he's literally changing the calendar and establishing a calendar here for him. Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, saying in the tenth day of this month, shall they take them, every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, maybe it's just a, a, a guy or a guy and his wife, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of souls, Every man, according to his eating, shall make your account for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or, or from the goats, if you don't have sheep. And, it shall, uh, and, and you shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month. At the same month. And the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. And they shall take of the blood... And strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And when they shall eat the flesh in the in, in the night, and, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast it with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it uh, of it raw, nor sodden with water, not boiled, but roast it with fire. His head with his legs and the pertinence thereof are the innards. So literally the whole thing is going to be consumed with fire, pointing to the Lord. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn with fire. And thus shall, uh, shall ye, I think, um, oh, and thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, with your shoes on your feet. You shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. All right, so let's unpack this. So first, they have to sacrifice that which they've connected with. I don't know if you caught that, but they have to get it on the 10th day, and they have to sacrifice it on the 14th day. So, so some three plus days, three full days, and some on either side, they've got to get this lamb. <laughs> I, I can only imagine... If you bring in a lamb with some kids, if you had kids, let's say, uh, I don't know, age, age range, what are your kids' age right now? Three, three to eight. Three to eight. If you had to bring a little lamb in to a house at the side bottom house from ages three to eight, it's going to have a name. 
They're going to be sleeping with it. It's going to be so cute. They're going to be feeding it. And then Shane's got to kill it. Just enough time to connect with it. Just enough time to fall in love with it. And I think that's on a pur for purpose. I think it's so that we can appreciate the sacrifice that it is. I mean, we can't take every aspect of this story and apply it to the Lord Jesus Christ doctrinally, okay? Like, we didn't get to take Jesus in for a few days and fall in love with him before he died as our Liam. You can make that argument that he did that in his ministry. So there, there are some ties here. And certainly if you did a, a chart comparing the Passover lamb to the Lord Jesus Christ, there would be so many different things that we could, that we could contrast. So, so I'm not, not trying to minimize it, but like not everything just ticks and ties out perfectly. But they connected with the sacrifice. And notice the progression of ownership. You have a series of arrows. They shall take to them every man a lamb, in verse 3. In verse 4, household be too little for the lamb. And then by the time you get to verse 5, your lamb should be without blemish. He starts out as a good teacher and prophet. Then he becomes the Messiah or the Christ. And at some point he becomes your Savior. It's a very tangible progression. That's, this is the kind of thing when people challenge the, the Word of God and the specific, the specific words. I think God preserved those very concepts for us in Scripture. And then, But notice, notice in verse 11, after the sacrifice, it becomes the Lord's Passover. There's a point at which I need to connect with the Lord. There's a point at which I need to be willing to hand that over. Hand my life over. Hand over his sacrifice for my sin. Hand over to him for his service. I don't get to keep it all. I don't get to keep it all. I can't take anything with me on my journey other than knowing the Lord has, has, has covered me. So we've got a little bit of an exercise a little bit of an exercise, and I hope this works. Now, adherence is important to the scriptures, right? Following that direction. But some things are deal breakers and some things are just better. Okay, so we're going to go through each of these. So, getting your own lamb. Getting your own lamb. Were you required to get your own lamb? Yes or no? Were you? I would argue no. If the household be too small... You could potentially go together. Some, some of you might have been thinking, well, that's still getting your own lamb, and I'm not trying to pick at you. But you didn't necessarily have to have your own lamb. You could connect with a family that maybe had only... So, so if it's just Michelle and I and Manning, and we connected with maybe the Perkins because... Uh, well, you still got a couple at home too. But yet my point is, like, the, potentially we could have gone together and sacrificed one lamb that would have been enough for both of our families. Okay? Right? So, so, so I put no, but it's kind of optimal to have your own lamb, if you will. Just bear with me. But did you have to have a lamb to cover you and your family? Was that required? Yes. yes. Okay. Now, could you take any lamb... Okay, but you could take a goat, 
It could be a sheep or a goat, but it had to be a lamb. And what was the requirements of the lamb? Uh, not, yeah, but before that, it had to be a first year and without blemish. Okay? So now you've got another dynamic because if Michelle and I only had a couple of lambs and they aren't in the first year or they had a blemish, now I definitely need to find somebody I can hook up with, right? To, to be under one roof, right? So there took some planning. Excuse me. So it's not, it's not just any lamb. You had to get a specific type of lamb. Did you have to kill it? I don't know another way to kill the blood on the doorposts. I mean, I guess you could cut it to get just enough, but the scripture's pretty clear that you're going to sacrifice it. So, yes. Did you have to collect the blood? Yeah. You did. And then you ha- did you have to strike the blood on the doorposts? Because I could make a really good argument. I feel like God, God will deal with me justly if I kill the lamb, but I just lay the blood on the ground. No. The command was very clear, was it? Strike it on the two side posts and the top posts. Very clear. Okay? So, you had to do that. <coughs> Cooking the lamb properly. Was that a requirement? Okay, so if I don't, so I'm with you. I would argue no. If I killed the lamb, struck the blood on the side posts, but didn't cook the lamb properly, did the did the the Lord kill my firstborn? No. So there was a command, an additional command on how to do this and how to consume it, and I've got my rationale for it. Mostly it's because of the picture of Christ, but Putting the entire animal and boiling it with its innards would not have been healthy. Okay? And much like people have in, intestinal challenges with certain restaurants that, ha- that rhyme with smako smell, right? <laughs> you, Taco Bell, like if you, <laughs> Chrissy wasn't with me. So, like, like. I heard a comedian say he yeah, was getting ready for his colonoscopy, and obviously the X-Lax company combined with the Taco Bell company to create the stuff that you have to take for your colonoscopy. So, like, if you eat a lamb that's been boiled and all its innards are still on the inside, you're getting sick when you're fixing to head out of Dodge. You're literally the next morning going to be starting a journey don't eat it if it's been boiled, okay? Cook it on a fire, okay? That's my hypothesis. I'm not dogmatic about it. But the point is, you could cook it incorrectly and still not lose your firstborn. Because that wasn't necessarily, at least that's my, my hypothesis or that which I'd put out there. So, no, but there was consequence to it, okay? If you had to eat all the lamb, did you have to eat all the lamb? It's real weird because scripture says, eat it all, but if you can't eat it all, <laughs> burn the rest of it. So what's the principle here is, I would say, no, you don't have to eat all of it, but it's a provision. He wants you not to just nibble. He wants you to have a good meal. Why? Because you're fixing to hit, the, hit run out of Dodge. You're getting ready to leave. This, and, and we also see that the last one, did you have to eat it dressed to move? Well... That was the instruction, but if I sat there in my 
loincloth and had my dinner and it was time to leave, well, now I'm not prepared to leave, but I would still argue that, you know, that my, my, my firstborn was not going to die. Okay, are you guys tracking with me on this? There are certain things that are absolute deal breakers with respect to saving your firstborn. And there are other things that are just really good ideas that you should do. And those that you don't have to do, there's consequence to them. There's consequence. I don't see any... Now, now maybe, maybe I'm misinterpreting scripture, and if you think I am, you, you're welcome to call me out on it. But I just think there are certain aspects of this that were absolutely required, and certain aspects that the faithful would do because they listened to their God. So, doing the right things the right way matters. Notice in Matthew 7, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. So you don't get to pick and choose how, how you get, you know, you got to follow the rules. And certain rules are deal breakers. For instance, you can't say, I'll take care of my own sin. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. I'll cover my own sin. I'll work my way. No, because Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, that is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You don't have the opportunity to work yourself into heaven. Just like you had to follow certain parts of the Passover script, otherwise your kid was going to die. Now, Having said all of the, the things that I said about that, I can assure you, if I thought this, well, maybe not that one as much, if I thought any of these had an inkling of a chance to impact the life of my marshal, our firstborn, I'd do them. Right? I mean, I'd do them. If I thought there was a, just a, even, a, even a chance that eating it a different way or not eating it with my clothes on. Like if I was just not like, I feel like I would be toeing the line pretty sharply if I thought the life of my child was, was, in, the, was in the balance. All right, so victory principle number two. The more you follow the word of God, <clears throat> the better off you'll be. <laughs> like, <clears throat> excuse me. It's a pretty simple principle actually. There are principles in the book of Proverbs that do not apply doctrinally to Mitch Dobson in the church age, but they're pretty darn good ideas. Pretty darn good ideas. And when I look at my, our overgrown garden, we had this area that we tried, tried to do a garden and it's just not worked out and it's, well, we, we grew stuff. It's just weeds. Um, not, let me be very clear for weeds, uh, plural. <laughs> In our garden, not weed, uh, weeds. Uh, we grew that which, you know, tears things that grow on their own accord. And I look at that and I think, you know, the field of the slothful. It's a pretty good idea that we get out and tend to the, tend to our garden and take care of it. But it's a little low on the priority list. Am I going to... Is, is God looking down at me and saying, well, Mitch, you can't get into heaven now? No. 
I mean, it, it's just doctrinally, there are certain things that don't apply anymore, right? I have yet to slay, to sacrifice a lamb, actually. I have yet to take the blood and strike it on a single doorpost. So there are certain things in scriptures that, that in scripture that applies to us today and certain things that, that don't. But the more you follow the word of God, the better off you're going to be. The better off you're going to be. So let's jump into the victory for the time we have remaining. Uh, for I will pass through the land, and uh, jumping over to Exodus 12, 13, 12 and 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt this night, and I will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. This is kind of that, that echo to all the different, judgment, or the, uh, different uh, plagues. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Wow. So, a token. So, I think sometimes we, we give the word token a bad, a, a bad identity because we think of a token as a token gift or a token representative of something, right? We're giving a nod to something. Like, like I, walk, uh, you know, I walk into a, a fancy schmancy hotel and I give the... I tip the doorman a token, right? A, a token of thing. Like, like it's not much. I'm not giving of my. I'm giving out of my abundance in this example, not out of my. You know, out of my need. Token is sometimes a bad. I think has a bad connotation, a, a less than committed connotation. But notice two other things that the Lord calls tokens. The same Hebrew word. In Genesis 1.14, he calls literally the stars, the lights in the firmament of the day, of, uh, firmament of the heaven to divide the day fr- from the night. Let them be for a token, for a sign, same word, token, for seasons and for days and years. And the rainbow is a token. Like, kind of big deals. Those stars and rainbows are kind of a big deal to God. And God said, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I do set my bow in the cloud and it shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. So literally, this is not just a little token thing. This is a big deal. It's a sign. So it brings us to an activity. Maybe you've heard a message on this. I want you to take your, your little black marker, your blue marker. It doesn't have to be red. And I want you to draw on your paper where you would put... So, so you've been given the command to strike the two side posts and strike the top posts with your blood of your lamb. Where would you put it? I want you to uh, do it on your paper. If you don't have a pen, we can get you one or at least have it in your mind. Okay, everybody done it? Now, don't forget, especially those of you in here who have children, your firstborn is behind that door with you. Your firstborn is behind that door with you. So I have heard it preached, and this is good preaching, that it's this. Who else has seen that, right? One here, one here, one here, because it looks like a cross. Okay, maybe. Last time I checked, Jesus was flowing not just blood from the crown and his, but is also from his feet and his side and his back. So I'm not sure, doctor, look, this is a nice feel good. And I might teach this to a kid. And if this is what you've done on your paper, you're not wrong. Okay? You're not wrong. That's, 
<laughs> but if you're like me, that's how this is looking. Because the blood is what's keeping the judgment. That's what's keeping my boy alive, in my case, my boy alive on the inside. Like, is that, that's not a big enough lamb. Let's get a big first year lamb. We're covering windows. We're covering, like, <coughs> if I would have taken more time, there wouldn't have even been gaps. I just copied and pasted this little thing. Like, there wouldn't, like, like <laughs> can I borrow some of your blood? Because I want to make sure the Lord doesn't come in here and kill my boy. Like, I would have, like, that's just me. And there's one thing. Now, and, and some people argue, hey, look, just the, the blood is, and, and, and look, at the end of the day, the covering of the blood is what matters. I do think if there were a, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, the death, you know, the angel of death or the Lord executing his judgment wouldn't have, wouldn't have come. I do think, it, but there is a principle. I don't know if you remember when, when Peter, <laughs> Peter was getting his feet washed. What, you remember what Peter's like, you're not going to wash my feet. And then, yeah. And then Jesus is like, well, then you can't have any part of me. He's like, well, guess I've got new parts I want you to wash. <laughs> like, let's do the whole thing. <clears throat> I kind of feel like I would be more in that gate, like, or more in that camp. Like, if there was any chance that the blood, it protecting my kid, like, let's slather that bad boy. I mean, I am wringing <laughs> every ounce of blood out of the hyssop. You thought I was wringing it out of a lamb, weren't you? Maybe. I might be doing that too. But I'd be like, is there any more? The covering of the blood is what matters. Look at all these verses in the New Testament. Romans 5.9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. It's the exact same parallel. It's the exact same parallel of Passover. We're justified or protected by his blood. In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In Ephesians two thirteen, but now in Jesus or in Christ Jesus, ye who were sometimes who were, who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. So we have justification, we have redemption, <clears throat> we have closeness or or you know uh, communion, in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin. I oh, I guess that happens twice. I didn't know that. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the uh, holiest by the blood of Jesus. So literally, we the blood is what matters. The blood is what matters. And it brings us to our last victory principle, number three today. Nothing but the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And if you know the hymn, Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The blood is the, the, blood is the key to the story. And I, I do get frustrated at... Look, I'm no, I'm no musician. I don't... If I wrote a song, it would sound a lot like Ring Around the Rosie. Uh, Ring Around the Rosie's Pocket Full of Posies or something, right? Right, like... Like, it would rhyme like, you know, roses are red, violets are blue. I, I would be a horrible songwriter. Horrible songwriter. Then we would know you were growing weeds. Well, then I, would, I was, then I would not be just growing weeds. Right. <laughs> yeah. I am a horrible songwriter. 
But I get really frustrated at Christian music today when they don't sing about the blood. Because there's one thing protecting me, my family, that puts me in the right position with the Lord. And that is the blood. The shed blood of Jesus. I know it's, it's not clean. It's not, um, it's not simple. It's not lovey. It doesn't have a feel good. It's because our Savior was beaten to a bloody pulp and died literally, as, as Sam would say, literally bled out to redeem us. According to Hebrews eleven twenty eight, through faith, he kept the, uh, Moses, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest, that, uh, lest he that destroyeth the firstborn should touch them. Like literally, he took that blood, put it on the hyssop, and again, I don't know how much blood there was, how much blood's in a lamb. I guess I could have I could have done a little more checking, but boy, I would have every single drop that would have been on that doorpost for me. But the sprinkling of the blood, Moses kept the faith, or through faith he kept that Passover, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. I don't know where you're at individually in your relationship with the Lord. Some of you need to have the blood applied to your sins. You've not done that. Maybe you thought you have and you like the feel-good story of Jesus and you want to be a better person, but you haven't actually done that. I am begging you to get, get with me after class. If I'm talking with someone else and you need to be saved, if you need to have the blood applied, I want you, I'm asking you to interrupt any conversation that I have. Because it's more important than any other conversation I'll have today. Amen. You have you will die in your sins just like that firstborn if there is not blood covering you. Please. And for those of you who have made that decision and do have Jesus' blood covering you, please take, take heed to His word. You know, sacrifice the lamb correctly. Prepare it correctly. Be, eat it with, your, eat it with your, your clothes on and your shoes on and your staff in your hand because the Lord wants to do something with you. He wants to move you forward in your, in your walk with Him. He wants you to leave behind Egypt, and He does want you to exodus, to escape, to get out, have an opportunity to live a victorious Christian life, consecrated, to see amazing giants and amazing things happen in, in, in your life. Those things be con- uh, conquered in His name. But first... You have to adhere to his word. You need to apply that which he's asked you to do, that which he's asked you to learn. You need to hear it. You need to, and, and for each of you, that probably looks a little different. That might be baptism. Maybe you need to submit yourself to believer's baptism. Maybe you need to get uh, plugged in with discipleship. Maybe you need to get in LFBI and take something like Foundations 2 and 3 or Discipleship 2 and continue your growth. Maybe you need to get involved in a ministry so that you can be stretched out of your comfort zone. I don't know what it is. I know that each one of us have this next step in our walk. I know it. You know how I know it? Because you're still sitting here alive. That means that he's got something for you. And he's challenging you. I would like to think that he's used me in just a tiny bit of that to challenge you to, to see what it, is as the next, what it is as the next step for you. That's going to be just bring him honor and glory. 
when you step out in faith and you trust him for that next thing and that next thing and that next thing and 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 before you'll know it you'll be you know part of a ministry an opportunity to be a part of a church planning team or whatever the whatever you think is completely not possible in your life he can prepare you for he can totally get you there if you're willing just to take a step of faith lean out take a step of faith the Passover is a beautiful story. I'm, I'm, I struggle a little bit whether it should be multiple messages, but uh, we put it all under one. I, uh, I pray the Lord bless you with it. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for the beautiful picture of the Passover and um, what you did in, in and through Jesus. And um, <clears throat> I, I can only imagine the, the parents that drop to their knees in praise when they realized their son or their daughter, their firstborn, did not die because of the sacrifice of the lamb. And how much stronger it makes John's words when he says, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. I mean, wow. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you for the opportunity to have eternal life in your name. And, and Lord, I, just, I do pray for anyone under the sound of my voice that, <clears throat> that doesn't know you, that has not ever certainly taken care of that issue in their life. They feel like they need to get this fixed first, or they need to get that right in their life first, or they need to do this first. Lord, help them understand none of that happened other than the sacrifice and the, sh- and the covering of the blood. That was what happened first. And so you, Lord, have shed the blood. Help them to apply it to the doorposts of their, of their life. Help them to cover, uh, be covered in the sacrifice of your blood. Help them to not be settled in their life until they get, until they get that um, issue resolved with you. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for everyone that was here today. And, and Lord, I love them so much. I just pray your blessings on them today um, as they depart from this place, as they minister to each other and, and to their families and loved ones and, and different folks around. Lord, the people they work with, help them to be good testimony. In Jesus' name, amen.